You are listening to a Live City Church podcast, and we hope you'll experience Jesus today. We are excited to have you join our extended online church family. If you would like further information or wish to access more content, please connect with us on our Live City Church Facebook page or visit us at livecitychurch.com. I want you to turn with me in your Bibles. I don't want to waste any time. I'm continuing on a series on worship, and this is part two of, of the, the, the message, Spiritual Warfare in Worship. How many people were here last week and you heard the message? Did you apply any of those principles in your lives? I know some of you were. It will change and revolutionize your life. And this message, which is a second part of spiritual warfare and worship, you don't understand how important this truly is. And one of the things we did in the series, I began to break down this ideology of what worship is. Because most of you thought that those last slow songs was worship. That's what you're led to believe because we've just, we just haven't really talked about it. You may have received no teaching on it. And we've come to assume that's worship. What about the praise music? Isn't that worship to God as well? Yes. What about the people that came here early this morning on a roster because they were serving you, but they were actually serving God. They didn't work unto man. They worked unto God. And so there was a symphony, this orchestra of worship before we ever before the service ever started, a symphony of worship. Back there, you didn't know that they were struggling with uh, the lighting. They were uh, struggling with the projection PC. It died. We had to pitch it. We picked a new one. We were downloading software. We installed the software, began typing out the lyrics, missed it on the last of the previous slow song. We got it in time for this one. There's a lot happening there, and that was all worship. We, we've got this all wrong, friends. We think worship is how good you sing. If you heard Bapa sing, you realize that's not the scale of what worship is. But I can't think of a, a greater worshiper than Big Bapa. Not about the voice. In fact, I, one of the greatest people that I love in church is uh, Bapa and Yvette because they know how to encourage a preacher. Let me tell you, you'll get your best preaching when you are actually voicing back and saying, hey, that was for me. Whoa, you know, make some noise. Okay, we're not quiet at Live City Church. If that's the kind of church you wanted, there's one. There's other ones out there. But for us, we're just real people, okay? We live real lives. If you came here today thinking, I really don't deserve to be in this church. I'm so imperfect. You came to the right church. Okay, because the moment I stepped foot in here, it wasn't perfect anymore. And so this is who we are. We're just real people. We have real struggles. We have real challenges. I know some of you have come here today. You are, you are not feeling it. But you dragged yourself here against what your mind was screaming, saying, don't go, don't go, don't go. You need right now to nurse your wounds, lick your wounds, just stay home, don't worry about it. And you Still you came. You just worship the Lord just by that one action. It's not about the singing, not about the playing. Now, our key passage that we're focusing on and centering on this message for spiritual warfare and worship is 2 Chronicles 20, verses 18 and 23. I'd like you to open up your Bibles or your smart devices. If you don't have a Bible loaded onto your smartphone, can I recommend Olive Tree Bible Reader? They give you a free downloadable version of NIV 
and the New King James Version. You can have the old as well, but the New King James Version, it's free. And you don't need internet access. But for those of you that don't have a Bible on your phone, just go to Chrome or your browser, you know, for all you Apple fans. Just type in Bible, Second Chronicles 20, colon, 18-23. It will actually pop up that verse on your, on your browser. Makes it really easy. Okay, I'd like you to follow with me in your Bibles. So Second Chronicles 20, verse 18 to 23, Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with very loud voice. They were not quiet very loud voice for warfare. Verse 21, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. Notice that he did not get them to sing battle songs. He did not get them to sing prayers. It was just singing about how good God is. Take the focus off your situation. Take the focus off you. Put the focus completely on him. Praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. See, what they were saying when they say give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever, they were reminding themselves of who they are in Christ. They have a relationship with this father, and they're fighting a pagan army, three armies that did not serve Yahweh, the living God. Three armies coming to battle against one nation. Remember that ten tribes of Israel had already been taken into captivity because of disobedience. But because of one king in Judah, Judah and Benjamin together enjoyed being able to stay in the land and the favor of God. And an army was uh, hating on the Israelites and decided to wage war with two other armies. So three armies, and three nations were in warfare against one nation to take them down. They wanted to wipe them off the face of the planet. And so what these people did, the people of God, is that they began to remind themselves in the song who they were. Who they were. I mean, you may as well be singing... My daddy's a big God, and yours is small. My daddy's a big God. He's going to take your little daddy out. It was a mockery song. And I, we talked about this last week. Get, make sure you get the podcast, because I won't repeat those things. But, you know, as kids, we are trained to know how to taunt the enemy with songs. Didn't you sing? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a taunting song. You know, and if you were if you're on the receiving end of that, even if it's an adult, if a kid does that to you, doesn't it just get you angry? You know, the the anger of God comes upon you. Like kids, just watch out. I'll I'm gonna tell you the story. I'm just gonna keep it real, okay? Just keep it real. My son picks some things up from school. Now he would never, ever, ever in a million years ever think to do this. He would never have conceived of the thought. But I was correcting him one time. He was out in the veranda, in, in the, our undercover area, just around the side. He didn't realize, because I was correcting him, son, don't do that. I want you to, and as I was explaining it, I walked around the side just to have a look at him. You know what he was doing? Oh, yeah, my son. I said to him, son, I haven't warned you about this, but I'm going to tell you just once. Don't ever do that again, or your life will not be worth living. <laughs> I brought you into this world. I can take you out. 
<laughs> he's never done it since. But he, he picked that up from school. That's like, oh my God. But that, that taunting of a king, yeah, 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 right? Now, here's the thing, right? I, I know, I used to have this, we have a new, we have a new puppy in the house. <laughs> Her name is Hershey. And she's beautiful. She's stolen our hearts. It's like, I can't imagine not ever having Hershey. We've always had Hershey, haven't we? But it's only been since Wednesday when we got the dog. But it feels like we've had her forever. She's just stolen our hearts. Really, she's just so beautiful. Go on Facebook, look at my picture. i got lots of them to show you. Beautiful dog. But, you know, she's, she's still tiny. But we, the dog before her was Samson. Samson was part Rottweiler, part Labrador Retriever. His head went up to here on me. I was a big dog. He did not look small. Very intimidating. And let me tell you, when we went for a walk in Lawnton, it's a bit like walking on an Ipswich. When you're down in Lawnton, you know, you just never know who's going to come up against you. There was nothing to fear because I had, I, had, I had this Rottweiler behind my back. He looked like a Rottweiler but was gentle as a mouse. Gentle, gentle, gentle. You would never mess with Samson. So my wife and I would just walk like this, and Samson just had nothing to fear. Just walk the streets. He owned the streets. No one, no dog, no human being would ever mess with the Pardides as long as Samson was in the house. Can I tell you that God is like that? Nobody would dare mess with you while you got your big daddy God with your, who's got your back. But so you forget that in the midst of the battle, a battle going on. All you can see is with your eyes. We were talking about this morning that my sister vet, we're praying for you, vet, that you're going to see. That God will open up your eyes. But thank the Lord you can't right now because you know what? She cannot see in the physical realm like you and I can. But she sees in the spiritual realm. She's come to me saying, Pastor, while we were worshiping, this is about a month ago, I saw this. And I'm thinking, flesh and blood could not reveal that to you, sis. But only the Father in heaven could show you those kinds of things. And that so ministered to me the word you gave me. Let me keep reading. You see, this is good stuff. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Yada, yada, yada. My dad is bigger than your dad. He's going to take you out. Okay, verse 22. As they began to sing and praise. Okay, they are not praying anymore. They're not praying, oh God, deliver us from out of the situation. Oh God, there is no fasting and prayer happening right now. All they're doing is singing and praising. Singing and praising. So if you're wondering, is there a place for singing in spiritual battle? Yes, that's the passage. That's why I use this. I want you to know that there are times when you run out of prayers. You know, you said all the prayers you can think of. Let me tell you, uh, uh, if you look at the Bible in the book of Psalms, King David is violent. If you read some of the things he says, God, you know, destroy the enemy. I want you to melt them. I want you to break them. I want you to make them fail. He, he says these words and paints his picture You're like, whoa, that's a bit violent. But I have permission to pray that. Right? I have permission to pray that because it's in the Bible. The Bible is meant to be prayed through. It's the word of God. The Bible says the angels are attentive to your word. So when you pray the word of God, the angels are attentive to the word and carry out the mission. But they're not praying. They're just singing. There are times when you're so broken and the situation seems so hopeless. How many people know what I'm talking about? It is too hard. <laughs> I know someone like... <laughs> God, look at me now. I know, I know. When we've been through it, you know what I'm talking about. You just wave. That's me. <laughs> you talking to me right now. Preach it. Okay, that's why we need the noise. I said, that's me. You preach it. You hit the nail on the head with this one. We've got to understand these things. 
When you run out of prayer, you've prayed every prayer, and it seems like nothing is being heard. Have you ever had those prayers when you came into a situation? Now, you were confident. You've prayed before, and God answered your prayer like that. It was awesome. But this time when you pray, the situation gets worse. Right? So you thought, oh, you know, I'm going to fast and pray for this one. It got even worse than that. Like, God, how's this working? Okay? Try this. Sing and praise him. Just singing and praising the Lord. Here's what happened in verse 22. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir. Those are the three armies who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. You notice here that not a single sword or spear or javelin was thrown or raised. Nothing like that happened. All they were doing was singing and praising, and the Lord set ambushes. Can I tell you that the moment you begin to sing and you begin to praise Him, all of a sudden the battle is the Lord's. It's no longer John's battle. It's no longer Paul's battle. It's no longer Mark's battle. It's no longer Ruth's battle. It's the Lord's battle. And when God goes to fight, He always wins. That's the God you serve. That's your daddy God. But He waits for permission to step in. God's a gentleman. If you don't want him involved in the situation, he'll stay away. So by not asking him to get involved, you're saying stay away. Because he will not step in. The Bible says, you have not because you ask not. So ask. Or in this case, they already prayed about it. They asked about it. They bowed with their faces to the ground. And now they're just singing. They're like, okay, we've done everything we could. Now let's just praise him and give it to the Lord. Look at this. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men of Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. They turned on each other. There's no fighting involved from the Israelites. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. That's the reason the Bible says you are more than overcomers. You're thinking to yourself, I've got to go into the battle. I've got to go into the thick of things. Let me tell you, when it's relational issues, whether it's with children, whether it's in the workplace or the boss or that workmate that keeps giving you a hard time, they've got it in for you, or whether it's your spouse and you simply cannot see eye to eye and you're bashing heads and you're, you know, you're, you're trying to say those prayers, oh, God, change her. <laughs> you know, God's thinking, how about I change you? <laughs> God, save my kids. How about, you know, God's saying, how about you learn to love them more? Understand them more. Spend more time with them. God begins to shift the way that we think when we pray. See, it's the thing. We think that God's going to answer prayer the way you want it to. Oh, my prayer hasn't been answered. You know, God answered your prayer. He answers every prayer, but not always in the way that you want. We hear the scripture and we simply shut off. We don't understand it. God works for the good of them that love him, for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. But what he calls good is not necessarily what we call good, right? Jesus says, you know, he was praying in the Garden of Eden, God, Father, not my will, but yours be done. But if it's possible, could you take this cup of suffering away from me? All right? Jesus is saying, I don't want to suffer to be able to make this happen. Is there a plan B? And God works for the good of Jesus and says, no, you're going to endure it. You're going to have to go through it. See, that's the problem. 
is that we're starting to dislike God. I don't want to use the word hate, but we've used that word before. We dislike God because He didn't work in the way that we were hoping He would do it. Destroy my enemy, Lord God. Destroy them. Wipe them out. And He doesn't do it. Because God says, no, I kept them there for your good, for your sake. How can I work out your character issues unless there's some heat happening in your life? I need you to go through this experience so that you can become stronger. Thank God for your enemies. They're there to bless you. That's the thing, you know. When you go back to the workplace, you go back home, whatever your situation, just say, have at it. Go ahead and bless me. You know, and there's a hell and there's a screaming at you and all that. You just raise your hand to Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I am so blessed with this. Let me tell you, it's very demoralizing for the enemy. Not the person. I mean the enemy at work behind the scenes. That's what it's about. It's about mind games. So let me take, we're going to go to the next part, part two, okay, on this one. So what we, what we see with our eyes, we talk about this with Sisavet. She sees in the spirit realm because she's got no other realm to look at. But for us, we're so stuck with what we can see with our eyes. We're so fixated on it that we're trying to measure ourselves. How can I get past this? I don't have enough money. I don't have a job. Oh, my job doesn't pay enough. Oh, these things happening here. Oh, she's run away. He's run away. What am I supposed to do? So we're trying to fix the problem based on what we can see with our eyes. And what God's trying to help us to see is that the problem isn't fought in the physical realm. You're not actually fighting against people. Even your enemy can become friends in a, in a blink of an eye. The Bible says in Psalm 23, you prepare a table in the midst of my enemies. He wants you to just not, not even fight. He's saying, let's just have a meal. Let them worry about the stress of war and, and making your life a living hell because you and I, we're just going to fellowship. We're going to break bread. We're going to have fun. And that enemy is going to become demoralized by what's happening because nothing they say or nothing that they do is affecting you. You've got your peace because I'm yours and you are mine. That's what that means. I will prepare a table in the midst of your enemy. He's saying, by my eating with you, see, the tr in the Middle East, even to this day, if you're enemies, the moment you sit down and have a meal together, you become friends. You are not obligated to have your friends back. So by God saying, I will prepare a feast in the midst of your enemy, he's, the enemy's looking at God, having a meal with you, and realize, oh, if I mess with, if I mess with Petueli, I'm messing with God. Because now that he's broken meal, if I hurt this man, God's going to come against me. That's what that means. It's a powerful picture. But we're so stuck in the, spirit, in the natural realm that we're not allowing the spirit realm to come in. This is what worship is all about. Let me give you some basic teaching here. John 4.24 says that God is spirit. And his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. You cannot access the presence of God by worshiping Him in the physical realm. You've seen those kinds of people. They sing loud. they got their hands raised. But their spirit, their heart is not in on it. And God sees it. It's, it's a waste of time. But what He's looking at is the broken who drag themselves to church 
despite what their mind is saying to them and, and, and saying, screaming to them, saying, you should be allowed to stay home today. In fact, they say, no, I will not. I will. I refuse to give in. I refuse to just suck in my troubles. It, I don't own that stuff. That belongs to God. I'm going to drag myself into the house of God, and I'll let him destroy the enemy. I'll, I'll give the battle to the Lord. The moment you came here dragging yourself to church, you were declaring war. It belongs to God. The battle belongs to God. So think about this. God is spirit. Before there was time, before anything was ever created, the Bible says there was God. In the beginning, there was God. And God said. So out of a spirit realm, God spoke things into being. You notice that he did not imagine it. Because sometimes when we pray, we think we can pray quiet prayers in the inside of our head. I know God knows your thoughts. But if God is giving the principle of prayer from the beginning of time, was speaking it out. And Jesus said, when you, when you pray, right, you want to see changes? He says, speak to the mountain and say, mountain, get up, be thrown into the sea. Speak to the situation. He said, the, the disciples are amazed one day. He was walking towards a particular city, and he saw that a tree, it wasn't the, the season for it, but a fig tree was in full, with full leaf. So I was thinking maybe there'll be a first fruit so I could t- pick some fruit. He comes to the tree, and it was barren. And he ends up cursing the tree. And the disciples heard him say that. They went and did their business. 24 hours later, coming back, Peter is amazed. And the other disciples, look at this, the tree that you cursed that shriveled up and died. He says, you'll do greater things than these. Speak to the tree and command it, get up and be thrown into the sea. It will be done for you. We've got to speak out loud. We've got to pray out loud. We've got to sing out loud. So God, in the spirit realm, creates a natural realm. He forges it. Let there be light, right? Let there be trees. Let there be living things. Let there be living creatures on the planet. And now all of a sudden, time is created. Darkness and light. Daytime, morning. God creates it all. So the spirit realm has superiority over the natural realm. Yet you're still doing your battle in the natural realm. We still think that we have physical enemies, people. Yes, I know they are out to get you right now. But what is the cause behind all that? If you are bought and purchased by the blood of Jesus and you know you're his child, you need to understand there's an enemy that can see that a mile off. They can smell you a mile off and recognize this is a child of God. And he will try to cause living hell on your life every day if he possibly can. But the Lord only allows him to do that for a season for your sake. It's just for a season. These are things that you can break through, and it gives us the tools to get past these things. Facebook is not the answer. Instagram is not the answer. Blogging, vlogging is not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Every promise is in the word of God. If you can receive this and take it and claim it. See, I see people that they, and and some, you know, want to be, I don't know, seen as, you know, superior spiritually speaking. And they will quote these amazing quotes. They will quote scripture, but it has no power. You don't know what other people are thinking when you post it. Because they realize, <laughs> this person has never been through a difficult season before. And they're posting these things up. Oh, when things go bad, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. They've never been through a difficult situation in their life. 
See, those of you that have gone through difficult seasons, you may be in one right now. Keep singing. Keep giving thanks and praise to God. Keep praying. Keep fasting. And when, not if, and when you get past that situation, you can put that scripture up and every one of your friends knows what you've been through. In fact, you can talk about it now and it becomes an inspiration to people. Be an inspiration to people. We're not victims, folks. You are more than overcomers. Okay? I'm saying I understand this. I know you need your friends. I'm with you on that one. But get a flesh and blood person you can look at eye to eye, and you tell them what's going through, and they'll pray for you. Can I encourage you with that word? So that's the reason why the spiritual realm has more authority over the natural realm. That's why Jesus can walk on water, heal the sick, raise the dead, calm storms. It's because the spirit realm has power and authority over the natural realm. So can I say this to you? Write this one down. First, win the battle in the spiritual realm. Then God will give you victory in the natural realm. Don't try to fight it in the natural realm first and then cry out to God. Cry out to God first in every battle, in every situation. Can I say this? You can quote this one. The outcome of the battle is determined in the spiritual realm. The Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 17 that Aaron and her came to support Moses. The people of Israel were, were in their first major battle. This is a major crisis. The first test to see if they can fight as a nation. They've only been servants. There are no warriors. But every man has got to pick up something in his hand and go to battle. They're unsure of themselves. They don't know who they are. They don't even know if they can win a battle. In the midst of it all, Moses climbs to the top of the mountain. We don't see anywhere where God told him to do this. And he's watching the battle unfold. And the Israelites with no training are losing. And you know what Moses does as he's watching this battle and, and the Israelites are losing? He just begins to raise his hands. That's all he can do. What do you think he's doing while he's raising his hands? How is that in the natural realm actually going to affect the battle? See, we read these things, we think, of course, if I just raised my hands, everything would have changed. You don't think that at all. You just try and find as many other people who can fight, send them into battle, make deals and truces with other nations, let them fight the battle for you. But no, Moses begins to raise his hands because he recognizes, I give up. I can't do this. I can't do this. Some of you still fighting. <laughs> You're more than overcomers. You're still fighting, and you wait until you're broken before you cry out to God. Don't, don't do that. Just raise your hand and realize, not my battle. Not my problem. God's problem. God's battle. So I'm just going to right now, I'll give up from the very beginning and say, not mine. It's his battle. There's another reason why he's raising his hands. He's tapping into the spirit realm. He's recognizing heaven's out there. Okay, it's not here. I'm not going to touch the ground. I'm going to raise my hands, and I'm just going to raise it to heaven because I recognize the battle is fought in the heavenly realms. And the Bible tells us that they began to win. The Israelites were winning the battle every time Moses raised his hands and worshiped to the Lord. And then Aaron and her were noticing what was happening. What happened eventually is you can only hold your hands up to some time. 
And then his hands began to drop. It's getting lower and lower. It's very painful holding your hands up. And by the time his hands are down, the enemy was winning again. So Aaron and her thought, we need to do something about this. Sometimes you guys need that Aaron or her on your left and right, holding your hands up in worship, praying with you. They've got your back. And as they began to raise Moses' hands, the, the Israelites were winning again. And they're able to do this for some time, but even their hands got tired. So this is what they did next. For a moment, as Moses lowered his hands, the enemy was winning again. So they brought stones and put it under his arm, and then they raised his arms. <laughs> Blood was probably draining, but look, as long as his hands were up, they were winning, and they won the battle. Do you understand the principle here? The battle is won through worship. Because it's one through the spiritual realm before you ever see it in the earthly realm. The Bible tells us about Paul and Silas in prison in Acts chapter 16. The Bible says that Paul and Silas, they'd cast a demon out of a girl in the marketplace. She was a fortune teller operating through the demonic. By the way, just be careful with this one. The demonic can be accurate in prophecy, but it doesn't come from the Lord. So some of you think, oh, they're all wrong. No, they can actually be right. They were right. But the demon was cast out. Those men lost their money, and so they threw Paul and Silas into prison. The Bible says that this particular prison guard, you're thinking, oh, he's a nice guy because he gave his life to Jesus. He wasn't a nice guy. When he found out about Paul and Silas, he didn't just throw them into prison. He threw them, the Bible says, into the innermost part of the prison. In other words, the darkest, deepest place that he could find. It is the room reserved for the most notorious of criminals, animals. And he put them in this deep, dark place. Now imagine the stink and the smell, the sweat and the blood, the cockroaches, the rats. They're running rampant in this place. And then he puts them, not just in that deep place. I mean, that should be enough, right? I mean, it's hard to get out of prison anyway. But no, we'll put them in the deepest, darkest prison. And then on top of that, he put them into stocks and bonds just for added measure so they can't move. Now, before all that happened, he decides to give them 40 lashes on their back. So the wounds are weeping. It is starting to congeal. It becomes jelly in your back, and it's really painful and gross. They couldn't even lie down on their front just to give their back a little bit of a rest and have some sleep. Not even the courtesy of that. They had to sit up all night in pain, and they're sleepy and drowsy. Rather than give up, guess what these men do? The Bible says... If two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst of them. The Bible says if two of you can agree on anything on earth, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. They realized, oh, they made a mistake. They put two Christians together. <laughs> now we're going to have church. <laughs> and so they began to sing in their prison right down the bottom. They must have sung loud because the Bible says all the prisoners heard them worshiping and singing hymns. All the prisoners heard them praying. All the prisoners heard them thanking God. They're having church in the deepest, darkest prison with absolute pain in stocks and bonds. And this is what happened. I, I, I see in the spiritual realm, God couldn't help himself. When he saw such incredible acts of sacrifice, such incredible worship, he couldn't help but sing along. But the Bible says that when God sings, his voice thunders and rips mountains apart. The Bible says the prison actually shook. There was an earthquake, and all the chains fell off the prisoners, all of them. And the prison doors went open. All because 
They chose to worship God. And again, an Aaron and a Hur came alongside and began to sing with each other. That's church. Two or three can gather together. Let me keep moving on. You can look up Joshua chapter 6 as well for the fall of Jericho. What we do is that we work in partnership with God. What we do in the natural, in obedience to the will of God, releases heaven to accomplish God's will on earth. Let me give you an example. There are things that we do that can release heaven on earth. For example, the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3, you rob me. How do we rob you? You rob me in tithes and offerings. He said, pay the tithe and I will return to you. He says, return to me and I will return to you. So when you begin to pay the tithe, this is what it begins to say. If you look in the King James, it talks about when you pay the tithe, portals of heaven open. Look it up. Malachi chapter 3. Portals of heaven begin to open. If you're wondering, how do I open up portals to heaven? One of them is actually through the tithes. Offerings is good, but the tithe is this obedience to God. When you say, I need every cent of my money. I mean, God, i got to pay the tithes. He's saying, look after me first, and I'll look after you. The moment you did that, you handed over your finances, and it, became, it, it now is owned by heaven. You are now entering into the supernatural zone where God will begin to fight for you, all your battles. Here's another one. that The Bible says, when you speak Scripture and believe that word in expectation, you're opening up portals of heaven. So I gave this little Scripture, a little tidbit earlier. The angels are attentive to your word. That's King James Version. I see this picture of angels, all of them amassing together, everyone waiting and fighting for the opportunity to do what God says. There is so much joy in heaven. There's so much glory when you work with God that the angels are like, get back behind me. I'm in first. I get to do this. It's my turn. No, it's my turn. No, it's my turn now. They're all waiting in a good way until God says the word. Okay, you can do it. Boom. Off they go to, to do the, the, the bidding of God. It's a powerful picture. So when you are praying the word of God, the word of God says, by his stripes I am healed, therefore my body must be healed. You're speaking a scripture. Angels are being released. Let me tell you, there's so many angels in heaven that are unemployed. They're sitting on the bread line, bored, because they're your angel. Not one of the ones that have to do God's bidding in heaven. They do your bidding, but you're not speaking the word of God. And they're sitting around getting fat. Other angels look at them. Hey, you got a little bit more in your paunch back there. I said, I know. Just coming up, just doing absolutely nothing. I want, I, I got to tell you, some of our angels are like, <laughs> they probably take like, you know, pills just to be able to, oh God, I can't take another one of this one. What's he going to put me into now? I want my angels to be worried. I want to put them to work. I want to put them into overtime for me. So they're like, they got to tag out. Did you know that according to the mission that, that God gives you, according to your obedience, the mission increases? It goes from mission possible to mission impossible. So you need a bigger angel for that. Some of you are like, I need one of those angels right now. Just put your current angel to work. Okay? Make him get so busy that they got to tag out and a bigger angel comes in. The Bible says that Daniel... And when he was reading the scriptures and he recognized that one of the prophets, early prophets said, 70 years is almost up and God is going to send you back into the promised land. He began to pray and contend for that word to be carried out. 
See, normally, with, I want you to understand Daniel, normally his, ans- his, his prayer would be answered instantly and immediately. That's the kind of favor he had with God. But in this particular instance, he is praying for 21 days. He thought it would only be one day. I won't eat. I'm just going to fast until I get an answer from God. Usually it's one day. But now it's 21 days later, and he's still not getting an answer until that day when the angel Gabriel appeared, and he says, favored man of God, from the day you began to pray, God sent me, but I could not get in to see you because the power, the principality of the power, the Lord, the prince of Persia was fighting me, preventing me from coming to see you. But God released another angel, Michael, to fight him so that I can come and see you. And I want you to understand this for a moment. This same angel, Gabriel, is the one that went to Mary and said, you were pregnant with Jesus. He went to Joseph in his dreams. He went to the wise men. This is a very important angel. That was Daniel's own personal angel because of the mission and the weight of what he had to do to accomplish. How do you open up portals of heaven? Worship. Worship when hell is throwing everything at you. It's our greatest weapon of warfare. While he's playing the guitar, I want you to picture that a harp was played back in the time. David would play an instrument like this. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 16, we see a picture of the Jewish people. What you don't understand is they knew the spiritual realm. They said this, Let our Lord, King Saul... Command his servants here, us, to search for someone who can play the harp. He will play when the evil spirit from God comes upon you, and you will feel better. I want you to get that. Let King Saul tell us to go out and search for someone to play a harp to chase demons away. They knew back then, it wasn't just King David. Oh, sorry, David wasn't a king then. David, it could have been anyone who was gifted on an instrument who knew how to enter worship. The demons would run away. It wasn't just David. They just found that David was the most skillful one. It could have been anyone. But there's a principle here. 1 Samuel 16, 23. Whenever the Spirit from God came upon Saul, David would take his harp, or guitar in this case, and play. Then relief would come to Saul. He would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave him. Some of you are feeling so terribly poor. Put on your worship music. Begin to worship him, and you begin to feel better, and the demons will begin to leave you. They have to leave that room. They have to exit out of that place because they cannot, un- they cannot stay in the atmosphere of worship. If you're struggling with your marriage, if you're struggling with your family, put some worship music on. My wife told me, amen, my wife told me, when, I kid, when Eden and Tyler were younger, I know you'll find this so hard to believe, they used to fight. They used to just get, uh, Tanya's like, stop that, stop that, stop that. She says, you know what I did today, honey? She said, I began to play worship music, and all of a sudden there was calm in the home. Eden and Tali were calm. And so my wife would play that every day, just worship music, and it was calm. It changed the atmosphere. I want you to listen to this. In recent years, in the study of quantum physics, they found a remarkable discovery. When music is played at a certain octave well above human hearing capability, music actually becomes light. 
Music can actually become light. Incredible as this may seem, it should come as no surprise to those of you who have experienced the persuasion of music or to those of you that know the scripture, God is light. Music is light. When you play worship music, you're actually releasing the very essence and presence of God. Music in its purest form is light. John chapter 1 verse 5 says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Matthew eleven twelve. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of hev- heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. It's a picture of light. Some of you have gone camping, and it's just pitch black dark. No moon out there. It is absolutely dark. Even one little match, tiny little match, is enough to dispel the darkness and light begins to beam out. God is light. And worship in its purest form becomes light. Some of you need to begin to release your light. Why don't we stand to our feet as I close this morning? Father, we hardly understand you. We hardly know your ways. And Father, we we discover these tidbits from the Word. Why don't we read the Bible more? Every answer to every one of life's problems is hidden in your Word. And Father, I pray that a season of the opening of the mind would occur at Live City Church. I pray, Father God, for sons and daughters who are hungry to know who their Father is. No more illegitimate children. No more orphans. But these are sons and daughters who want to know more about dad. I pray, Father God, that this would be a season that would shift and change everything about them. I pray that they begin to see the greatest victories, the greatest battles, Lord God, fought by the living God himself. That they can stand and understand that they are more than overcomers because they don't even have to fight the battle. The fight is to choose to worship you. The fight is to choose to yield to you. And I pray right now over every situation, every marriage, every family issues, every issues of the heart. For some, they feel that God is not answering prayer. It seems like God just doesn't seem real to them anymore. Father, I just pray, remind them of your love for them, that you do good to those who love you, and are called according to your purpose. There is a perfect plan and timing of God. So Lord, I pray, restore hope once again upon your sons and daughters. The thing that they're dreaming about and been hoping for, but Bible says as well, hope deferred is, is, it makes a heart sick. But Lord, I pray, restore hope once again in your sons and daughters, in your children. Let them dream dreams again. Begin to imagine what God can do. Thank you for joining Life City Church, and we hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. If this ministry has made an impact on your life, we'd love to hear from you. Please drop us a line and share your story at thanks at livecitychurch.com or email us your prayer needs at prayer at livecitychurch.com. We'd love to connect with you and hear more about your story. If you love the ministry of Live City Church, you can make a financial gift to help us spread the good news of Jesus by going to livecitychurch.com and clicking the giving tab. We hope today's message has spoken into your life and look forward to your next visit.